Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Andre Dowdy, who is a keynote speaker, personal development expert and workshop facilitator who helps build better cultures within schools and organizations. So Andre, hello, and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Hello, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Fantastic. I really appreciate you coming along and sharing your expertise with us. So a real quick question, whereabouts in the world are you right now? Yes, I am Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I know from doing a little bit of research about you and I guess stalking you online for a few hours that one of your superpowers is your ability to connect with people from all walks of life. And when you do present on stage, you you can get the right balance between humor, thought leadership, and also creating memorable experiences. So I guess my first question for you today is how do you get that right balance on stage? Yes. I was a kid growing up who uh, never met a stranger. Yeah, I was a kid, you know, who just go up and just start talking to random people and then just uh, start from there. And that kind of traveled into even the speaking now, where if I am on a stage, my first thing is to connect with the audience. And so that may be a two minute joke or Mm -hmm. a story that really brings in the audience and captures the theme of whatever the speak or the talk is about. Uh, And then from there, you kind of balance, like you said, you weigh in some of the good stories and the strategies and ideas. Mm -hmm. And then you have to also lighten the mood and put some humor in it and some jokes and funny things like that. I love that. And I guess, you know, all of that wrapped up does create that experience and a real memorable moment for for the audience. Um, And I guess a lot of new speakers, they're so focused on themselves how they sound how they look what are they doing with their hands that actually sometimes they forget about the audience so it's really important Mm -hmm. that you start with the audience yeah and I'm also a musician so growing up I was Uh always around like other musicians and seeing singers sing and musicians play and so I remember them sharing with me, you have to connect with the audience. You've got to be able to look them in their eye, whether they are in the front seat or whether they are in the balcony. You want them to have that experience. So you find a way to connect with them. And so that's all a part of that balance as well. I know the information will be good. I know the speak is going to be great. But if they are not connected with me, they'll or they'll just tap out or walk Mm -hmm. out. And yeah. so that's up to us, like as speakers, to really make that connection with them. I love that. And and you've already mentioned this, but, you know, telling a story, I guess. Why is why a story so important when you're presenting? And how do you think you can tell like what what's the top? What's the trick? What's the magic of telling a great story? Now, it's, it's the connection. Think mm. about our favorite books or think about our favorite movies. The reason why they were, because they were impactful. Mm -hmm. You felt tension. You saw like a hero's journey. You you felt them. And for some of our shows or our movies, we saw ourselves in them. We saw characteristics of us in them. So when telling the story, you've got to make that connection where they feel empathy or sympathy, or they're like, oh, I've had a similar experience. And so connecting that to our 
it's those stories. It just makes it more powerful. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine calls them hook them and cook them. <laughs> you throw the line out there like fishing and you first got to hook them in. And then once when you have them eating out the palm of your hand, you can reel them in and take uh -huh. them on that journey. And then you're cooking them by then. Oh, I love that. That's a great example. And I think I'll remember that. Hook them and, and cook them. Thank you for yeah. that. Um, so I guess, you know, you, you're a keynote speaker right now, but I guess it wasn't always the case. So let's go right back to the very beginning. And when did you first when did you first get a taste for public speaking? Yeah, so I'm, I'm an educator. I've mm -hmm. uh, been inside of the classroom and I was doing workshops for like our school. And I noticed how exciting the the audience was. Yeah. They were loving what I was teaching, loving what I was doing. They were laughing at my jokes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my jokes are carny because, you know, dad jokes. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, I, I like this. Mm. And so then I started to study it. And then from there, I had more opportunities to like speak and to perform workshops or or professional development days for schools. Yeah. And from there, it just it just started to that snowball started to roll. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, I wish I could do this forever. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the journey has been going so far. I love that. And I guess, you know, it started in the classroom. Then you were speaking in front of children. And I know you run mm -hmm. workshops for parents. Do you do you become a different type of speaker when you're on stage in front of a class of or an audience of children than you would when you're in front of parents? And, and what is the difference? Oh, absolutely. Uh, most people, their attention span doesn't go very long. No. <laughs> and so I, I relate that to music. Once again, I'm, I'm a musician. And so I remember Clive Davis. He was the person who found Whitney Houston, Rolling Stones, Earth, Wind & Fire. I mean, all these famous acts. And he said, within that first 10, 15 seconds, you'll know if it's going to be a hit or not. You yeah. can tell just within that first 15 seconds. And so it's the same with the speaker. Uh, when you're speaking on a stage, you've got to hook them and cook them quick or they'll tap out. Yeah. And so immediately you go for it. You give them some of your great information or you give them a heartfelt story to connect or you tell a fact or a statistic or a truth that really hooks them and cooks them. Yeah. And so it's that exact same way, that exact same feeling. And then once they're in, it's great. So if it's a student-led or a student auditorium or a student audience, you still hook them and cook them, but you've got to do it more relatable to students, Yeah. especially if it's elementary students. So we're talking like SpongeBob mm -hmm. and yeah. other cartoons. <laughs> you, you're going to have to be able to hook them and cook them the exact same way. Fantastic. And I guess the big takeaway for me there is um, knowing your audience. And, and, and being able to flex a little bit depending on who that audience yeah. is and one thing I've seen from you straight away is your infectious enthusiasm I think is the best way mm -hmm. I would describe it um, and is that, that something you have had to turn on more as a speaker or have you always just had that yeah I've, I've, always, <laughs> you always, had I've always had that yeah. you know inside of like your classes when you get the report card mm -hmm. um they would always say that Andre has a lot of energy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andre talks a lot. Uh, and yeah. those small things then became the gifts and the talents that I have now. That's amazing. Yeah. And I guess mm. I guess not everyone can relate to that. You know, a lot of people struggle with enthusiasm and being mm. vulnerable in front of an audience. But I guess, yeah. you know, maybe for some people they do have to switch it on. But I think 
it's important that they do do that because as an audience, you know, you want to be entertained, you want to feel engaged, you want to see the enthusiasm of the speaker. So I think it's a really yeah, great agreed. trait to have for you. Yeah, it's that infotainment. Uh, I've heard a friend coin that phrase. Like if you're up there listening to anybody speak, you want to be entertained, but mm -hmm. you also want some relevant information. Yeah. And for some people, it comes really easy on a stage. Mm -hmm. For others, it takes some work. Uh, once again, just like a musician, there are some people who are just naturally talent and they're virtuosos and they get on the stage with whatever instrument and you are just amazed yeah. or amazed at their voice. And then there are other people who really have to go through vocal training mm -hmm. and rehearsals to get better. So both ways do work. Yeah, both ways. That, and that's a really good point, actually, because a lot of people starting out on their journey think, Oh, I'm not like Andre. I could never become a great speaker like him. But, but it just means you have to work a little bit harder and you know work at it, and yeah. maybe you'll end up an even better speaker one day if you put in the effort yeah. and energy. And then vice versa. There are areas where I, it comes natural and easy for me. Yeah. Like for example, when I'm in front of a stage of let's say two thousand, um, I don't get scared. I don't get nervous. Mm -hmm. For others, they get scared and nervous, and yeah. you know anxiety gets the best of them. Uh, for me, it's the ending. I want to make sure that they have they've had a great experience. So wrapping up that conversation or wrapping up that talk that those last two or three minutes for me is the nerve wracking part. Yeah. Yeah. For other people, they're like, I've already done my talk. I'm finished <laughs> now. You know, I can wrap yeah. this thing up. <laughs> so there's some weaknesses for some who are strengths of others and Absolutely. then vice versa. Fantastic. Quite a topical one. Um, you're obviously natural or. Oh used to being in person face to face eyeball to eyeball with people i'm assuming that that changed in 2020 when we had the pandemic so how was it for you to transition from in person to virtual speaker yeah that was really challenging because a lot of my audience were educators mm -hmm. and so we it was um, all about in person education in person yeah. learning hands-on touching learning and then COVID came and the pandemic came and it was no hands-on <laughs> and everything shut down so I'm grateful video conferencing software that I was already familiar with mm -hmm. to just transition some of those workshops some of those talks to online uh, learning and then once again that's like you said earlier knowing your audience being empath uh, empathetic with your audience uh, I'll give you one example. There was one school that wanted me to come speak like to their parents and then mm -hmm. to the teachers. And then they asked, could we postpone? And I said, sure, you know, no big deal. We're, we're going through a pandemic. I mm -hmm. get it. Then they asked, could we cancel? And so in the midst of our conversation of the cancellation, they were talking about how there were three of their educators who were like the heart and the soul of the school. Yeah. And how they passed away. Uh. And so if I would have shown up, you can't compete with that. We would be crying the entire time mm. because they would look around and see their colleagues not there. Yeah. And yeah. so as speaker, you still have to be empathetic to your audience and, and have course. sympathy. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I completely understand that. And, and yeah, I guess it's, it was useful for you to talk about, you know, how you managed to get that transition between um, in, in person to virtual. So it, are you now making the most of the both in terms of bit of virtual bit of in person or, or have you really gone all all in back into in person presentations yeah gone all in yeah yeah 
Yeah, makes sense. Fantastic. Um, I think I lost you for a second then, but you but you are back. So I guess one my, my one final question or the one final place I want to go today is to talk about advice and guidance. So specifically around choosing a niche, you've obviously got your niche, what you talk about building cultures within schools. H- how would somebody go about choosing a niche and what advice have you got to somebody on that? Yes, I've heard one speaker say, if you've if you've ever been like at a job in an organization and it's that one thing that gets on your nerves and in your mind, you know how to fix it, but they continue to do it wrong. But in your mind, you know how to fix it. You know how to make it run. Chances are that's your niche. Mm. Chances are that's your passion. Yeah. And so for me, walking inside of schools or organizations and seeing that teammates don't talk to each other. Colleagues are not smiling at each other. They don't have those inside jokes. For me, I'm like, I know how to fix it. That's mm. that's culture building. That's yeah. organizational building. That's leadership building. Uh, but I also have been in schools or in, in jobs and companies where I've seen that as employee mm. and I was frustrated with that. Yeah. And so I'm like, I know how to fix it. So yeah. chances are to our speakers and our listeners, if you are in a position or you are at a place and you see something that is like getting on your nerves, you know, that's, that's rubbing you the wrong way and you know how to fix it, chances are that's your passion and that's your niche. That's great advice. So, you know, you don't need to necessarily get a blank piece of paper and try and figure out what your niche is. Actually go out there, experience, live life and just spot where you're naturally inclined to help and to change yeah. and you know yeah I, I love that i think that's really great advice yeah, and you and, already have the tools because yeah. chances are you're already somewhat of an expert in that part yeah and so then you're just using what you already know to help an organization an audience a school or whomever it may be fantastic and i guess a lot of the stories you'll tell around that will come from a really authentic place of it's a natural gift that you have anyway on, on that topic so yeah i love that bit of advice so I guess my final question, really important one, is if anybody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Yes, there are only two Andre Dowdies in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I've Googled it. One person lives in New York. Uh, the other one is me. Fantastic. And so I have mine under all social media, Andre Dowdy, A-N-D-R-E. D-A-U-G-H-T-Y. So wherever your social media platform is, chances are I'm there. Uh, and then also I have a website, andredowdy.org. Fantastic. And then you can contact me and I'd love to help you with your vision and your speaking opportunity for whatever audience. I love that. So what I'll do as well is I'll post all of those links in the show notes so people can just click on that and find out more about you. So once again, thank you so much for coming along today and sharing such great value with me and with our audience. Thank you very much. 